Welcome to Highball Politics, what America's bartenders are hearing. I'm David Kochel. And I'm Rob Stutzman. Each week, David and I are interviewing a bartender in a different U.S. city and state to find out what people there really care about when it comes to politics and culture. Why bartenders? Because bartenders have the pulse of their patrons and therefore the pulse of America, real America. In every episode, we will feature some incredible cocktail recipes, which you can find in the show notes. If you're a bartender or if you'd like to nominate your favorite bartender to be on our podcast, please email us at highballpolitics at gmail.com. Today, we're talking about the Iowa State Fair in Des Moines, Iowa, where every Republican presidential candidate was last weekend. Uh, Rob, I was there too. Oh, that's right. Every presidential candidate and Kochel was there last weekend. So in order to get a sense of the fair, which is probably the peak moment so far on the campaign trail out there for the Republicans, we're going to put Kochel behind the bar today and let him be the bartender and kind of our guest as we get a download from him from the activity at the state fair. Yeah, and since I'm doing that, Rob, we're going to have our wonderful producer, Miranda Pam, take over co-host duties while I move behind the bar. Excellent idea. I'm a little worried about David being the bartender. Are we all going to get diabetes? Yeah, yeah, a lot of sweet drinks coming. A lot of simple syrup back here, ready to go. Just get ready. Been working on your Skittles cocktail, I know. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, so let's stick to our format here as we welcome Miranda to the bar stool and you to behind the bar, David, and give us a little more context. I think people kind of get that way. State Fair is a thing. We see candidates doing goofy things on the news, but give the whole full scene setting and why this actually legitimately is important for the Iowa caucuses. Yeah, look, you know, Iowa is a retail state. These caucuses require these candidates to come in and really get to know people, get to be around people. You know, Ron DeSantis is on a 99-county tour. I think other campaigns are probably doing some version of that. But in this case, the fair kind of brings people to the candidates. The days that I was there, I think, averaged probably 120 or 30,000 voters were on site. You know, there's a million, 200,000 probably that attend the fair over the course of the 10 or 11 days. And, you know, it is just quintessentially Iowa. You've got the sheep barn, the swine barn, the, the horse barn. You got the governor's charity steer show. You got the butter cow, which we'll talk about more. That's kind of the iconic picture at the fair. It's the most Iowan thing. Obviously, other states have state fairs, but in Iowa, it really is kind of a special time. You got a lot of people who come in from fair and state the entire 10 days. You know, these kids are bringing their livestock in to show them 4-H is a big part of it. Obviously, there are rides and games and all that sort of thing, but it's really about people and it's about bringing people together. And it's obviously ready-made for the kind of photo ops, the kind of speechifying, the sort of kissing babies and shaking hands that every presidential candidate wants to see. You know, it just as a part of the feel of the Iowa caucus. It's the prom, it's homecoming, and the Super Bowl all wrapped into one for the caucus season. And, you know, I know, Rob, you've been there before. It's just a perfect opportunity for campaigns to come in and state their case. David, you mentioned that DeSantis is doing a county tour. Is it fair to say that some of these candidates are living in Iowa right now? Yeah, 99 counties. That's how many counties we have in Iowa. It is a grueling schedule to do that, to go to every one of these counties. And by the way, some of these counties have as few as like 1,200 people in them. We've got some counties that are smaller than a city block in Los Angeles. 
in terms of population. It is a grueling process, but you know, this is how you do it. You go out and you get all these questions from people. It's really how you forge, you know, a message and you learn what works. You know, the reason that Donald Trump became president is because he figured out going to these events and rallies over time, what applause lines worked, what got the crowd reaction that he wanted. And then that turns into a real speech. And this is happening among all the candidates now that are coming around. There's a ton of money being spent, a lot of time. So before we get into like which candidates had the best technique at flipping pork chops, which they all must do, or what new butter sculptures there may have been this year to accompany the butter cow, what was basically the signature drink this year? First of all, if you haven't been in Iowa in August, it's very hot and it can be really humid. So I was there four days and I think the temperature probably reached into the mid 90s. But it's not like mid-90s that you get in California. This is humid. This is heavy. How did the butter so, sculptures not melt? Well, they're in a refrigerator. They're behind glass, yeah. Yes, they are behind glass. Can't touch it. So, no, the great drink was at the Steer and Stein beer tent. This is also where Donald Trump had his brief appearance at the Iowa State Fair this year. He was only on the ground for an hour. They have this coolant that they can cool down to 27 degrees. I don't know what the solution is. I assume it's some form of water plus some rubbing alcohol. And then they cool it down to 27 degrees and they put beer cans down in it. Yeah, the rubbing uh, alcohol is not in the beer. We just want to clarify. Not in the beer. Yeah. 27 degrees happens to be the coldest you can serve beer before it freezes. And they pour it into a styrofoam cup. It's a little foamy, a little heady. But I have to say, I had the summer shandy by lining oh. made in Wisconsin. Yep. It's the beer of the fair, and it was delicious. And at that temperature, man, I got to tell you, it's terrific. I can see why Trump chose that tent to make his appearance. <laughs> Famously, Trump is a teetotaler, but you know he knows what his orders would like. Summer Shandy at the fair is the first time I laid eyes on Donald Trump as a candidate. I had met him before he was a candidate, but our good friend Kent Lucan, another Iowa native, he and I were perched on the second floor of a bar on one of the main drags of the fair. Up on the second deck, so we had a bird's eye view, and here comes this red hat wading through the middle of this crowd, and I had a summer shandy in hand. So even though I associate that summer shandy with seeing Trump as a candidate for the first time, it was still very refreshing, and I often yearn for the summer shandy, even though it was dawning on me as the spectacle that we were seeing in front of us was actually probably a very real political juggernaut, as it turned out to be. So Trump was wearing a red hat before MAGA was a thing. No, it was the MAGA hat. Yeah, he had the MAGA hat on at the Iowa State Fair in 2015. You know, that hat could be the Smithsonian, except that it's probably stored with a bunch of boxes with classified documents in a bathroom in Mar-a-Lago somewhere. Hey <laughs> Well, Rob, give us your perspective on that a little bit, because you were a true political tourist, and Iowa is all about political tourism throughout the caucus season. So you were there. You didn't just see Donald Trump that day. You saw somebody else that day, and it really kind of told us something new about how our politics were going to change. Well, so it was interesting. So we were there in 15, right? Very different expectations of Donald Trump. Was new in the race, not really expected to be anything but a stunt. Hillary was a Democrat frontrunner. David, you were working for Jeb Bush, who was a likely great man frontrunner type of GOP candidate at that point. Mm -hmm. So I came in to kind of be with you and the Bush team. So here's one thing I want to say about Jeb, because one of the things about the fair is a lot of these candidates are in very uncomfortable circumstances, and a lot of them love them. 
love the circumstance. So here's the contrast I'm going to show. I remember Jeb on a hot day working his tail off, moving him through the fair. We famously put him in the baseball speed pitch yeah. on the radar gun where he looked like he could still tow the rubber for the Marlins if they needed him. <laughs> freaking awesome in that thing. But I remember getting done. We kind of get to the end of the line and you look at him and go, oh, that's it. And he goes, I want to keep going. And he did, because he was working his ass off. I remember Chuck Todd was standing there. He's like, yeah, Koch, will let him keep going. A guy like Jeb was actually very natural and wanted to work hard, wanted to grip and grin some more, which gets me to the other candidate we saw on that trip. Well, one of many, and that was Hillary Clinton yep. in her pantsuit at the fair, surrounded by people, of course, with a Secret Service detail as a former first lady. Not looking all that comfortable as she waded through the crowds. Not exactly a natural at the Iowa State Fair. Gritting and gritting. Um, and what I remember, and this is, again, when we sh one of the indicators of, holy crap, this Trump thing is real. Trump famously was at that fair in his helicopter, and he would circle the grounds in the Trump helicopter. And he was, like, giving rides to kids. Like it was another wow. carnival ride. Yeah. Like Halperin's interviewing him up and there's like some kid rubbing his nose against, the, licking the window of the helicopter. And, the, you know, Trump's like, knock it off, get We're with Hillary. The CNN crew, I think like Jeff Zellin, he's interviewing her out in the middle of this swarm of people. And all of a sudden the Trump helicopter starts circling. <laughs> and literally the interview stops. The camera moves up to the sky. Hillary and everyone else look up at the helicopter. And it's like, we should have known. There it is. He disrupted the entire conventional wisdom of the race in a metaphorical wow. moment right there. The original political troll was Trump's helicopter at the Iowa State Fair. That's a good scene setter for what we saw this year. So this year, Governor Reynolds is hosting these fairside chats. It's kind of a platform that she's giving to candidates to come and, you know, be interviewed by her in a very friendly way, get their message out. Normally we had these things that you still have them. The Des Moines Register has their political soapbox. Those could get really contentious. You can have hecklers and protesters, which we saw some of this year as well. We'll talk about that. But Governor Reynolds decided to offer an invitation to everybody to come to the fair and sit with her while she brought a group of violence together, it was, you know, usually a few hundred to several hundred people kind of within earshot, and then she would interview them. It was a great environment, and it's part of, I think, her service to Iowans is to be this welcoming presence in the state. Only one candidate, though, decided not to attend her fairside chat, and that was Donald Trump, and he is in the midst of uh, now a several-week-long hissy fit about Governor Reynolds because she hasn't endorsed him. Now, if she's doing her job trying to, you know, give everybody a good opportunity to come to Iowa in a, you know, fair environment where she's not putting her thumb on the scale, but he's not happy with that. So he decided not to show up. When I was there, we got some sound on Vivek Ramaswamy. We got some Ron DeSantis sound. We got some Nikki Haley sound. So starting with Ron DeSantis, we'll play a little clip of that. But it was interesting because you'll hear in this clip some of the trolling that's going on. There were some protesters in the audience initially thought that they might be Trump supporters. It turns out they were just very progressive, very angry people. 
who didn't think that Ron DeSantis should be allowed to speak to Iowa. So let's take a listen to this DeSantis clip. Great to be in the Midwest. I tell people, normally when I want to do Midwestern nights, I just go to Fort Myers in January, and I have half the Midwest there. Uh, but we love everybody that comes down to Florida, but particularly Southwest Florida from Iowa and other parts. Thank you. Well, listen, good friend, former colleague, governor uh, from Florida, and uh, so I appreciate that and appreciate the friendly competition. So Ron's uh, out there uh, doing the 99-county tour. Uh, I think you may be ahead of me. Hey, you know what? You know what? We're in Iowa, and in Iowa, we're Iowa nice. So let's give everybody the opportunity to hear all candidates. That sounds like a bad stand-up comedy club. I mean, all the bell ringing and whistling, was that heckling or was that them? That was heckling. That was people trying to drown him out. It resulted in a confrontation with a state trooper. The troopers eventually removed the protesters so that DeSantis could get back to his shtick. There's a lot of passion in politics. You know, it's real hot out. People are maybe having a couple of beers and it can get a little tense. So speaking of having a couple of beers, to be a presidential candidate, and to rap, seems like maybe you've had to have a couple beers. So, Kasha, you got some sound here we'll play next from Vivek Ramaswamy, who continues to creep up in the polls. Well, the rounds people did a really interesting thing. At the end of each interview, she would ask three questions. It's called her fast three. First thing was your favorite fair food. The second thing was, you know, the funniest thing that's happened to you on the campaign trail. And then the third thing she would ask is, what's your favorite walkout music? They would answer that, and then they would give their closing pitch and then as Governor Reynolds closed the appearance, then that walk-up music that they mentioned would come on and start playing over the loudspeakers. And that's how they left the stage. Well, in this case, he's being interviewed and Vivek says, lose yourself by Eminem. And Governor Reynolds is like, what's that? Never heard of it. What's that? All right, go on, Governor. So she didn't know what it was. Anyway, they wrap up the interview. The song comes on and all of a sudden you can see Vivek wants to do it oh, so he bad. can't help him he can't help himself he turns the microphone on and he busts in and well she'll have to say for a 38 year old presidential candidate billionaire it's not bad let's let our listeners judge for themselves because you've got some of the sound here we go Oh, wow. And we even hear David laughing at the end. <laughs> it's so good. Not available on iTunes. Yet. All right. And so, Conchally, our roving correspondent at the Iowa State Fair, while drinking sub-freezing beers, you also got sound of Nikki Haley, another candidate who's really kind of banking on any success in this race on doing well in Iowa. What do you have from her? Well, she gave a similar performance to what she always does, which is she's very polished. She has a great message. She did an unbelievably good segment on China. I don't think I have the sound from that. I think we're going to listen to kind of her more general setup. But it did strike me, the two of them, Governor Kim Reynolds and Nikki Haley, former governor and former ambassador to the UN, you know, these two women sitting there in a state where we hadn't had a federally elected woman in our history, no female governor in our history, Iowa and Mississippi, the only two states that had never had a woman elected office. And then you've got these, you know, Joni Ernst, who we'll talk about, Kim Reynolds, Ashley Henson, Marietta Miller-Meeks now in Congress. And then here we're sitting there with a serious presidential candidate, Nikki Haley, 
And it just reminded me that sometimes, you know, women and, and conservative women, Republican women can be really potent candidates. I thought Nikki Haley connected really well. She was wearing a shirt that said, underestimate me, that'll be fun, which I thought was pretty clever. Wearing the cowboy boots and the jeans and, you know, everybody looked the part like you're supposed to when you come to the Iowa State Fair. Yeah, no pantsuit for Nikki. All right, let's get a sample of her talking points and her stump. You know, so I'm from rural South Carolina. And so whenever I come to Iowa, it really does feel like home. I grew up playing on farms. You know, people took care of each other. Neighbors took care of neighbors. And so Iowa feels very, it's friendly, it's kind, it's nice, it's respectful, all of that. And I was always really proud of the South Carolina State Fair. You know, I mean, I really was. But you guys really bring it. Like, this is unbelievable. It really is. No, it says a lot about Iowa. Nikki seems like she's really appealing to this Midwestern, smaller town vibe. She says that Iowa feels like home. Was that a recurring message that you kept hearing from candidates? Yeah. And Iowa does feel like home. That's one of the special things about the Iowa State Fair. Normal people walking around with corn dogs and fried butter on a stick and turkey legs and all the things you sort of see at the fair. You didn't and, eat a corn dog at the fair, did you, David? Um, there is no photographic evidence of me eating a corn dog. Well, yeah, this, this is a segue to our, you know, political consultant rules for candidates. And we've actually yes. talked about the corn dog before. But there's a whole litany of these things, and we've talked about do not eat a corn dog because you don't want a picture if you're a candidate of you eating a corn dog. If you have any questions about this, listeners, Google Michelle Bachman corn dog Iowa State Fair, and you'll see what we're talking about. Google Marcus Bachman, her husband, who had a similar experience with the corn dog, which we don't want to go into. In Iowa, that may even be more unacceptable. But there are other rules of the road for candidates. You can't be a phony cowboy in Texas. You can't be a phony Midwesterner in Iowa, but what are yeah. some of the ways we stay away well, from Well, let's rewind to Fred Thompson in 2008. Or GOP he, candidate. He committed two unforgivable sins. Number one, he went around the Iowa State Fair in a golf cart. You cannot do that. No. This is like you yeah. to walk around and shake hands. They're walking. Don't get whizzed around like a VIP. Yeah, it's not the Coral Gables Fair. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then... He steps out of the golf cart wearing tasseled loafers. Uh, How dare he? I tassels. Disqualified. The only tassel that works in Iowa is the tassel on an ear of corn. Exactly. Detasseling is what we call it. (laughs) So what are some other faux pas to to avoid? Well, we talked about the pork chops. So there's a huge grill, probably holds a couple hundred pork chops. It's right outside the pork tent. Sponsored by the Iowa Pork Producers. Thank you for your support. Literally every candidate does this. You go to the pork tent. In some cases, Governor Reynolds might accompany you or Joni Ernst might accompany you. And you basically stand behind and there's like a phalanx of cameras that surround you. And you're supposed to sit there and basically flip the pork chops and turn them over. Now, if you happen to drop a pork chop, and this has happened, you just drop out of the race. And you can't land a pork chop on the grill. Did that happen to someone? Yeah, there have been a few local candidates that have kind of, maybe they're trying to put it on a plate or something and they get discombobulated. Was it true eight years ago that Chris Christie actually just put it in his pocket? Uh, That's tasteless. I shouldn't do that. (laughs) Should I cut that joke? Is that too far? No, I love that stays. It stays. Yeah, keep all this. And did Trump flip a pork chop from his helicopter? Actually, I don't know that Trump made it. So here's another observation. This may or may not hurt him. 
he stayed for less than an hour. He brought a bunch of Florida Congress people with him. Max Yates. So he didn't yeah. he didn't have an Iowan introducing him. He obviously famously, and it was noticed, snubbed our good governor. So I don't think he actually made it to the pork tent. He definitely defies gravity and he doesn't have to follow all the conventions because he's the most famous person in the world and he doesn't need to do the things everybody else does. This is worth kind of a parenthetical sober analysis point though, David. I think there's an increasing thought given Trump's lack of endorsements and connection with Iowa, his mean spiritedness. And it's worth, remember, Trump did not win Iowa. Remember listeners, I know we all know, did not win Iowa in 16. And Iowa but, is Iowa night. Iowa night. There's something to all that. So he's attacking a very popular governor, very popular mm-hmm. governor. He isn't punching the card on all these things. So at some point it starts to feel a little disrespectful. And you have other candidates in the field that can seriously connect with evangelical voters because, well, they're actual evangelicals like mm-hmm. Tim Scott and Mike Pence. And we always thought, don't worry about these polls right now in the summer. There's a very plausible chance, if not decent chance, that Trump does not win Iowa and that he's making the wrong moves there. Yeah, he's certainly not helping himself. Picking a fight with the governor alone. Nobody would ever come up with that as a strategy. Now, it's not a strategy in in his case. It's just he got upset because he feels like he's done all this stuff for Iowa and for the governor. He literally appointed Terry Branstad ambassador to China, which made Reynolds the governor. He's the former governor. She was his lieutenant governor. So he thinks that he is due all the credit for her success in her political career, which is just kind of ridiculous. I mean, she won two campaigns on her own, one in a tough environment in 2018. Because of him, I would say, she won by three points. And then in 2022, when he wasn't on the ballot, when he wasn't in the White House, she won by almost 20. Yeah. Well, so we've seen this, you know, state of Georgia, which was in the news this week, again, just parenthetically, very popular governor there who's been reelected in the face of opposition from Trump after the 2020 election. So these governors can stand strong on their own two feet with their own constituencies. Even DeSantis, who right now is trailing Trump in Florida for presidential, of course, wins re-election as governor with a huge margin, huge over 20-point margin, bigger coalition of voters than Trump was able to put together in Florida. So the governors are their own political forces to be reckoned with in these states. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of DeSantis, I mean, Trump was only at the fair for an hour, but there was drama between Trump and DeSantis at the fair, right? Yeah. Well, it started with the trolling we were talking about, Trump flying around over Hillary and taking all the attention. The Trump super PAC actually hired a plane to do a plane pull where they pulled the banner behind the plane. And the sign said, be likable, Ron. It kind of used Ron's logo. This is a reference that most Iowans and most people in general would understand, but it goes back to Matt Gates doing debate prep with Ron DeSantis and saying to him in the debate prep, be likable, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just a straight up troll. Well, then you had, you know, some actual confrontations. So when DeSantis was finished with his time with Governor Reynolds at the Fairside Chat, then he walked over with his big entourage to the pork tent to do the pork thing, right? So you're, you're checking all these boxes. Got to do the butter, Kyle. Got to do the pork tent. Got to walk the swine barn. And he's over there. And this is about a half hour before Trump is going to arrive at the fair. By the way, it's worth pointing out, Trump only decided to come to the fair that day after he knew that DeSantis was going to be there. Because Trump always knows that wherever he goes, he's the biggest store. So it's just designed to step on whatever kind of publicity Ron DeSantis was going to get. So 
in comes all these Trump supporters to the venue right next to the pork tent. So, of course, a couple of the staffers get some folks from the Trump crowd to kind of go over to the DeSantis thing and they start chanting, Trump, Trump, Trump. I wish I'd had some sound of that. I didn't get it. But this is just what happens. It's hot. Tensions are high. And you get some confrontation. The next day, Politico reports on a near bar fight that broke out at a dive bar in Des Moines the night before between DeSantis super PAC staffers and some Trump supporters. So these two campaigns do not like each other. It manifests itself at the staff level, but it also, you know, showed up in this particular clash of appearances where you had DeSantis doing the work at the fair and then the Trump people trying to drown him out and get in his head. And then Trump shows up and does his speech. Trump just famously, though, comes in, does his speech and leaves. He didn't stick around for any of the other stuff. This race needs a good bar fight at some point. El Bait Shop. You know, it'd be good for one. Maybe a little shop you know, would be great. Throw some yeah. bar stools at the Beechwood. Gotzel, we want you there to report on yeah. it. You just don't want me there participating. No, no, not this age. Although, you know, you get caught with a fruity drink at the Beechwood, it might start a fight. It could. It could. <laughs> you might have to defend that. I will not be taking any shit from anybody over <laughs> me. Fruity drink. All right. All right, let's put a butter bow on this. The cow's a famous butter sculpture. Which uh, I need to know, how large is this cow? But then also, what other sculptures were there this year? And then give us your top three highlights of what will be memorable about the 2023 fair. Yeah, so first of all, the butter. Cow is a life-size cow. It's a real thing. It's really cool. It's not solid butter. They hang the butter on a frame. On a frame, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, you don't need to know that, Rob. Why do you spoil it for everybody? Ruin well, the magic. Some people have suggested that I'm solid butter at times. <laughs> but you're just a frame. But I'm just a frame. So they had a couple of other sculptures this year. They always have other sculptures, and each year they kind of pick a theme and kind of go for it. So in this case, they chose athletes. A couple things. First of all, one sculpture was a sculpture of Jack Trice, He was the first African-American football player in Iowa State history. He played only one game. He sustained injuries in that game that led to his death. And it is now the only major college football stadium named after an African-American. Yeah, I went to that school. It's a really kind of proud thing for our school to honor him. Our friend Kent Lucan actually has the Jack Trice Scholarship which he is funded and is awarded to a senior African-American player who exhibits character and leadership. So that was a cool statue for me. The other one is Caitlin Clark. And if you don't know who Caitlin Clark is, I think she's probably the best college basketball player in the game right now. Best women's player or best player? You know what? She probably is the best college basketball player in the country, male or female. Right. She's All right, I just want to get that hot take on secret there. She can make a three from anywhere. She's one of the best passers you'll ever see. She is from West Des Moines, Iowa. She went to Dowling Catholic, and now she is a Hawkeye. And she stuck around for her senior season because I think she's going to make more money this year at name, image, and likeness than she would if she were to go to the WNBA. So it's really... Well, hopefully she got paid for being a butter sculpture. Yeah, let's hope so. So what are the three things we're going to remember this fair for? What were the highlights? And it can be 27-degree beer if you want. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the cocktail of the week is 27-degree beer. I think number one, I would have to say the thing that will live on digitally the longest 
will be that Vivek Ramaswamy rapping clip. It's on Twitter. You know, you can see it. He does the whole thing, kind of prancing across the stage back and forth. Did he go fairly viral for that? Yeah. If you're into politics and you're online a lot, you saw that clip. Okay, very good. You saw that clip. The next thing that was maybe the most reported, and it was a little bit of a moment of strength, and we don't talk about Mike Pence a lot, but Mike Pence was at the register soapbox. So he did the governor's chat, but then he also did the register soapbox, which is a little more of a free-for-all. Someone in the crowd asked him why he was a traitor on January 6th, and he gave what I thought was his strongest answer yet, and really his toughest critique yet of the former president, when he kind of explained to that voter why what he did was choosing the Constitution over any individual. So that was a pretty good moment for him, and it sort of sets him up for the debate next week. By the way, either the Times or Politico, I forget which, and I apologize, reported that the person that shouted that question was, of course, a Democrat staffer. That's true, but he was asked a similar question by a Republican. There is definitely a group of people out there who, well, there's a big group of Republicans who think the election was stolen, but there still is a group of people who would like to hang like Pence, I guess, as the chant goes. So my third thing, I would say the most memorable thing about the fair is Kim Reynolds and how she just dominates the political landscape and conversation at the fair. There was a New York Times article that came out on the second day of the fair written by Reed Epstein, and it was basically interviewing a bunch of Iowa Democrats who are lamenting the sad state of the Democratic Party in Iowa, where we've wiped out all of their statewide elected officials, save for one. We've got all four members of Congress and both senators. We've got the governor, lieutenant governor. We have supermajorities in the House and the Senate. That's changed from about eight or 10 years ago. But one of the quotes that was in the story was quoting a Democrat who lives in Des Moines, Claire Chelsea. She's in the state Senate. And they said, will you be going to the fair this year? And she said, no, I'm not going. That's Kim Reynolds' show. And it was a perfect summation of what the state fair is like right now. Kim Reynolds is the most recognizable, most popular person at the fair. She can't walk five feet without getting a hug or, you know, a selfie or someone thanking her for school choice or, you know, her leadership on COVID or whatever. And so to me, it's kind of a remarkable thing to watch. I followed her around for a couple of hours at the fair this year and watched her in a lot of different situations. And it's really remarkable what connection she has with those voters. And so back to Trump's fubbing here, it could be a big mistake. I mean, it's pretty clear. Eventually there's going to be a butter sculpture of Governor Reynolds at some point down the road. (laughs) And when is Governor Reynolds announcing her candidacy for president? You know, she's not doing it. I would love it if she would. Cottrell, I may have conspired on this a few bottles in at times. We should talk Kim into running for president. Sounds like it. We got to land this thing before we end up reporting live from the 2024 fair. Yeah, Um, let's land this helicopter. Yeah. yeah. So, Koch, great job enduring the heat for all of us and drinking 27-degree beer for all of us and getting some sound. At the end of the day, we're trying to inform people about places in this country and how they're relevant to politics. Iowa State Fair is a major destination and component of all that. As a native Californian, if you ever get a chance to go visit Des Moines, you should do it. It's a little hot for the fair, but it's a spectacle to see. But Des Moines is just a great Midwest city. And Iowa's a great state with great people. And as a reminder for all of our listeners, when is Iowa's caucus? Iowa caucuses will be held January 15th. That's a Monday night. It'll be bitter cold if history is any indication. We are now just 
under five months away. Yeah, we can tell our listeners pretty likely that we'll be able to report live from the caucuses. We should just give a shout out next week. First debate. Will he or won't he? Donald Trump, is he going to be on that stage? He won't be on that stage. I'll bet that he will, just to be contrarian. All right, there you go. You know what, Miranda may be right. I think he may show up at the courthouse in Georgia, turn himself in, and then fly to the debate. How does that sound for a wild strategy? Yeah. Sounds good to me. I don't think it's that smart if he does that, but we'll see. He's not following much advice from lawyers these days, but I do think his lawyers would pretty much throw their bodies in front of the opportunity for Chris Christie to basically cross-examine him as a witness on that stage. So I don't think- I would love it so much. (laughs) Well, of course we'd love it. That's why I don't think it's going to happen. Miranda, thank you. You did an excellent job. I mean, you keep this up and I look forward to you and I launching our podcast and then Kachel can subscribe to it. (laughs) And then David can go be a full-time- Yeah, David David can follow his career to go make foo-foo drinks as a bartender. (laughs) I'll give you a two-star. Well, thank you for the second star. (laughs) (laughs) this is a different episode hopefully people have found this enjoyable remember to recommend us to friends give us a good rating and recommend your bartenders to us what is it Miranda? eyeballpolitics at gmail.com there you go we need bartenders from across the country we love taking your recommendations it's been very helpful to us All right, join us next week as we pull up a bar stool somewhere else around this great country maybe post debate and talk about why it is politically and culturally important to what's going on in America Till then, Miranda, David, cheers. Cheers. Highball Politics is a podcast presentation of Highball Media. Executive producers are David Kochel and me, Rob Stutzman. Our producer is Miranda Perrin. Please send your bartender nominations and any questions to highballpolitics at gmail.com. And find us on social media. We're at Highball Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you were brave enough to make this week's signature cocktail, please remember to tag your pics of this week's with the hashtag HighballPodcast. And if you want to support our show, please subscribe to Highball Politics wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. And please share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.